Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. Here, I want to look at the Breaking Points video. Good morning, everybody. Me. Happy Tuesday. Shut up. I'm low. I'm tired. I'm on fumes, baby. Get me back in my comfort zone. Give me some. Give me some stupid shit to tear into. Okay, we have to be nice to Crystal Ball now that she's married to Kyle or whatever. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We have an amazing show for everybody today. What do we have? This is from five hours ago, so it's pretty recent. Crystal? Indeed we do. As you guys know, major breaking stories this morning. Of course, we're going to bring you up to speed on exactly what is going on vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine and Russia, but there's a lot else that we want to cover, including how the media has covered yeah. this whole conflict, uh -huh. not sending their best as per usual. Uh -huh. um, also, another incredible... No, they're not really married. ...story. They keep going with the Havana syndrome thing. Even after, even the CIA is like, y'all, this is fake. And it's been- All right, get the Ukraine shit. Proven that the, that- Great uh, applauding here, so I'll tell you about that. You, also, there's you. a big fight um, within the Gulf world. Shut so, up. back on the show to tell us- about Shut up. And some other- West, and ultimately culminated in his recognition of two Britain of Russia reveals the way he truly thinks to the whole world. There and, uh, President Vladimir Putin of Russia held an office hours of sort yesterday, expounding upon history, NATO, the West, and ultimately culminated in his recognition of two breakaway Eastern republics in Eastern Ukraine, where there has been a civil war going on for eight years. We cut up some of the most insane and ultimately important parts there for you. So it's a little bit long, but we have the English translation here. Let's take a Listen. Ukraine itself is now being controlled from the outside. It is perpetrated not only. We we saw this. For, oh God! But somebody watching off YouTube might not have seen this. Okay, I'll let it play. By the instructions from the West, but also locally via network of foreign consultants, NGOs, and other institutions deployed in Ukraine. They have direct influence on all the important decisions at all the levels of government, from the central down to the municipal. It influences the main state corporations, Ukrainian railways, energy complex, Ukrainian post, administration of the seaports of Ukraine. And Ukraine doesn't have independent court system anymore. The Kiev authorities give, gave the preferential right to choose the members of the Supreme Legislation court bodies. And via its embassy in the U.S., the embassy of the U.S. directly controls the National Agency on Preventing Corruption, National Anti-Corruption Bureau, Specialized Anti-Corruption District Attorney Office, and Anti-Corruption Court. It's all done. Folks, this is what it looks like when you can't handle they, them, Ukrainian. Okay? Notice the slurred speech, the half-open eyes, the slumped posture. Looks like he's falling apart. Can't handle it. That's what happens, folks. You gotta, be, gotta watch out for the they, them, you crussy. Under the pretense to increase the efficiency of fighting corruption. Well, okay then, but where are the results? Because corruption is still there. It's even worse than it was. Russia did everything it could to keep the territorial integrity of Ukraine. We tried hard to implement the resolution of the Security Council of UN 2202 that endorsed the Minsk agreements on 
resolving the situation in Donbass. But everything was done in vain. The presidents are changing, the parliament members are changing, but the idea of the aggressive regime is still the same, regime that seized the power in Kyiv. It was created by the coup d'etat of 2014, and those who chose the way of violence, they admit they see no other. Yeah, I thought we were cutting. Okay, basically, Putin did a long and rambling speech where he talked about how he laid out a bunch of justifications for why Ukraine is totally his. Historical Russian territory, Russian empire, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's honestly pretty boring. You can watch it in its entirety online if you want. It's basically like if somebody filtered a supervillain speech through like three rounds of Google Translate back and forth, and it was being delivered by a person high on benzos who recently got dumped by their wife. Uh, it, it, it's not as finest hour. We will draft this document and sign these documents in the near future. A, a little glimpse there into the mindset of Putin. Uh, if you want the full rundown of the speech, we have a little uh, compilation here of Russia Today's Chirons. It's starting with some of the most it's ridiculous things. Wide-ranging. wide-ranging indeed for Mr. Putin. Let's put it up there on the screen. Lenin made some erroneous decisions about our territory. He's saying there that it was madness, actually, in order to give up the former Russian Empire, if you've ever uh, had any doubts as to what Putin thinks in his mind. Ukraine's trade with Russia is bigger than the European Union. You Ukraine has been blackmailed. He called Ukraine a colony and a puppet state. He actually even pulled an Iraq WMD crystal. Oh, he yeah, says Ukraine the... will be developing its own weapons. Wait, are they going to come out of this with the right opinion? So I think here's the thing. Oh, also, I should be remiss. This was an important piece of news and kind of clarifies what some of the U.S. was accusing Russia of yesterday. Can you they... imagine if these guys ended up coming out with a better opinion than the majority of them? I can't. Dude, I can't. I can't deal with this shit, man. I hope I want this video to be filled with misinformation. I need this video to be filled with misinformation because I, I cannot. Oh, yeah, the squirrel finally blocked me for pointing out because the squirrel said the squirrel said that if the West was really interested in diplomacy, then they would withdraw their offer for Ukraine to join NATO. But that offer doesn't exist. They've been rejected from NATO. She insta subtweet you after the block. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Don't get your information from deranged bread tubers who repeat whatever the State Department says. Prospective NATO membership in the U.S. is with refusal draw. Yeah, so prospective NATO membership, as in the potential to have it in the future, is not the same as a current offer to uh, to NATO membership. Those are not what those words mean. Those are actually two different things. Future right to join is not the same as current offer to join. So different, different things, actually. I used to think that they were well-read, but then I, I should have remembered. I'm the only good leftist, so, you know. He said, we know who you are who participated in the 2014 Ukraine, uh, rev the Maidan revolution. And he's like, we know, it, basically, it's an implied threat as to whether, you know, they would actually do anything or not about it. We will continue You're to see. You're talking about the kill list the that kill the list. U.S. government so, again, alleged that they have yesterday. He, obviously, he didn't say kill list, but it's not like he hasn't killed people in the past. Mm -hmm. So I think really what it comes down to ultimately is that the major news is that he recognized those breakaway Eastern republics. That is the number one most important thing that you need to know. But two is this, which is it is extremely extraordinarily clear here that while, yes, NATO and many other Western provocations is, I think, very responsible for putting us in this situation, it takes two to tango. And it's very clear here, tr Putin truly believes in his mind that not only the fall of the Soviet empire was one of the worst things that ever happened, he said it was one of the most tragic events in human history, but he wants very clearly to restore the Russian empire to its former glory. So let's go ahead and throw the next element up there on the screen, just so you can understand exactly what we're talking about. For those just listening, this is the map of the Donetsk People's 
Republic, uh, so-called, and the Luhansk People's Republic, so-called, that has been recognized by Russia. That's the gray area. Now, the reason that this matters is that the- I can't believe this. So far, this is already better than almost every other perspective I've taken from the left. This is so bad, man. I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying this probably for every single f***ing day of this war coverage, okay? Russia convincing- the entirety of the online Western left that they need to simp for Russia was the is literally the greatest psyop that has ever happened. I'm not joking. There is no psyop. There is no attempt at manufacturing people's political compliance that has ever been more successful than the maneuvering which brought about tens of millions of left-leaning people to believe that they should defend Russia, a country which is more right-wing and more capitalist than America is. Red line that is front of you. They didn't really need to try that all that hard. No, I really genuinely think that like, if, if, the, if the online left or the left broadly is going to survive, we need to treat people who are like adjacent to these Soviet talking points the same way that we treat like people adjacent to explicit Nazi talking points, okay? Seriously, we can't keep being permissive of people who are like, you know, a little apologetic of Assad, or they defer all problems in existence to American imperialism, even when it has nothing to do with it whatsoever, or they completely ignore the autonomy of people in an area and refer to them only as puppets of the United States when convenient to them, but don't do the same for Russians or whatever. With the people who engage in apologia for China, we need to, like, these people need to be excised from the left as ruthlessly as we would excise people from the left for being like explicit transphobes or white supremacists or whatever. But we don't. They're just treated as like in-group disagreements. They're treated as like, oh, you know, well, we have different perspectives and sometimes there are more Western-aligned lefties and sometimes there are more... No, they're not. You cannot be a Russia-aligned lefty, okay? You can't. You cannot be. You can't. That's not a thing that a person can be, actually. That's not, those are incompatible positions. The most pro-Russian position you can take is one in which you think that it is equally destructive to the United States. That's it. That, that can be your position. And even that, in cases like with Ukraine, is a pro-Russian position. Because America has, like, nothing to do with what's going on over there. For those just listening, is basically half of the so-called recognized territory is where the current Ukrainian front line is. So on the right, that's the Russian front line. On the left is the Ukrainian front line. So just this morning, Crystal, in Russia, the Duma bro? actually oh, I'm met in order to ratify Putin's decision. Now, in ratifying that decision, it's actually unclear right now as to whether they ratified the decision to recognize the territory that is under the direct control. Hassan's brain is melted. Sure, as long as we're being fired. The department has been fucking claiming was happening. Okay. So, why is there never? I want. I urge everyone to think. Why is there never, ever, any kind of uh, uh, consolation or any kind of capitulation, any kind of like acceptance of? Can you see this? Uh, of of running with like exaggerated intel, uh, goalpost shifting Lamau. Yeah, go. No, he didn't. I don't know why he's so. I don't know why he's harping on the State Department so much when they've been right and he's been wrong. I don't know. Like, what? I feel like this would be the time to shut up about the State Department. You know what I mean? Because they clearly took the W over Hassan in this one. Goalposts have shifted. Goalposts shifted on the saying. mainstream media side that fucking kept saying Kiev is going to go in there. It's gonna. They're gonna go into Kiev. They're gonna go into Kiev. They're gonna go into Kiev. I so this is explicitly not true. Um, the possibility that um, attacks would be made against Kiev has been uh, acknowledged for a long time. 
Uh, but the idea that like the just the flat across the board narrative has just been yeah they're gonna invade like boots on the ground Kiev that's not been like the the totality of the opinion. It's an option, obviously. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be shelled at least. They have artillery within striking range to use the map. Oh wait, no, the map that they were just showing wouldn't show it. They have artillery in the Belarusian border. Uh, that that's within striking range of Kiev. I have not shifted my goalposts. I admitted that I was wrong in my assertion, in my assumption. What I could have done instead has been like, well, technically, the media keeps saying that, you know, that Donbass region was invaded by Russia for the past eight years. So technically, this is not even an invasion. If I was a propagandist, that's... What? I don't, I don't even know what argument he's trying to make. He's just, he's just upset. Control of the so-called Russian separatists, aka the Russian troops themselves, or all the way up into that gray area where there are currently Ukrainian soldiers. And the reason that matters is because shortly after the speech, let's go ahead and put this next one up there, Putin had gone ahead and issued a military decree ordering the Russian military to pursue, quote, peacekeeping operations mm -hmm. in these territories. And there are reports now of troops crossing the Ukrainian border, eastern Ukrainian border, the former border. However, we have not yet had a report as of right now, we're recording this early in the morning on Tuesday, as to any direct military confrontation between actual Ukrainian military and the Russian military themselves. So there are a couple of possibilities here. Uh, yesterday I predicted that I thought that the Russians would annex the you know U Ukrainian uh, breakaway republics. They actually didn't do that. They just recognized the independence in all but name only, essentially guaranteeing their security. The reason that that matters, it actually gives them a legal pretext to pursue war if they want to. They can say, well, the Ukrainians have you know gone and had atrocities or committed a military offensive against our allies, which we now have uh, defense of cooperation agreement. security agreement think of it like their own nato type thing a warsaw pact in the mini that we have out there so i know man. this is where the situation is complicated what will the ukrainian military decide to do will they decide to contest the front line there or they were fuck this is this is so straightforward and reasonable a lot of this is stuff that i've said to the gray area, or will the Russians stop simply at the front line? All of this remains to be seen as things are very much up in the air here. Oh, so since this Russia has clarified that they definitely mean the entirety of the Luhansk and Donbass oblasts. We're still in Washington yeah. whenever it comes to sanctions. Indeed, and we'll get to the specifics of yeah. what we know from us and our allies at this point with news continuing right. to break on that front this morning. But just to, to get up to where we are, effectively, he gives this long speech, parts of it crazy, parts of it you're like, yeah, you kind of got a point there yeah. about NATO and U.S. Right. meddling and, you know, Ukrainian, U.S. influence in mm. Ukraine and all of these things. Uh -huh. The long-term factors, there's no doubt that our posture and the West posture and NATO expansion has exacerbated these tensions and helped to create this standoff. In I don't think it's true. Honest to God, I feel like if NATO didn't exist or hadn't expanded or whatever else, um, this would have happened way earlier. The micro, obviously Putin is the- Crystal's the worst one of the two? Yeah, because Crystal acts like an online lefty. Aggressor here, and he's 100% responsible for the fact that Europe is legitimately on the brink of a war that could be absolutely devastating mm -hmm. for lots and lots of people and, you know, biggest military engagement in war since World War II, possibly on the table. So- Kiev is a Russian word. Our capital is called Kiev. This is important. I'm trying. I know it's K-Y-I-V. I'm trying. Ivan Yekoviv, okay? I'm an English speaker. You, there are phonetic, there are non-intuitive pronunciations that you engage in. 
just to make that clear. So what he does is he recognizes these separatist republics um, officially and then uses this as a pretext yeah. to send he, he, Russian he, troops into these areas on a quote-unquote peacekeeping mission. This is effectively, you guys remember the very beginning of this conflict, Biden gave that presser and he floated the yeah. sort of like the just the tip invasion yeah, this scenario. This like is what it is. Right. Um, and I oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. This is fucking agonizing. This is fucking agonizing, dude. Holy I think that those comments from Biden in that first presser were maybe his most, the most revealing of his actual thinking, because he, in a very Biden-esque way, strays off the talking points and says, well, if they just go into these separatist areas, eh, we'll have to see what we do. Uh, and in true. fact, you see now that there is a, um, they are not levying the heavy. Hold on. Hey, so I agree with what you're saying, but in the best faith possible. Genuinely, what's the difference between Hong Kong calling themselves independent or sovereign and Luhansk and Donetsk calling themselves independent or sovereign? Okay, I'll go through the speech again, because it's important to distinguish these points, all right? The criteria by which you determine the legitimacy of a secessionist movement is really, really complicated, okay? So, for, for example, I disagree with the Confederate breakaway states during, uh, you know, the Civil War. Uh, if Texas wanted to secede, I would disagree with that too, even if the majority of the people who live there wanted to. The argument that I make generally means, like, what I'm looking for here is, and, and secession is always a, um, secession is always like a last resort in my mind, because generally the addition of a bunch of, like, fragmented, powerless states next to each other makes for more conflict. It's generally not a great solution. It's just, it's, it's, it's something you can do sometimes, okay? So usually what I'm looking for is, are there a group of people in an area with a common identity who are being oppressed or underrepresented uh, uh, in, in their local governance? You know, Are they being treated distinctly poorly? And is their situation one in which independence would legitimately better life for those people? And that last bit is important because... You don't want this to be some kind of psyop, like manufactured consent type deal, right? Like you want this to be an authentic expression, not only of their desire, but also of what would be better for them. Because, you know, I'm not going to support something that people want if it would be like destructive and ruinous. People wanted the Iraq war, right? Like, you know, how about comparing it to the American Revolution? Well, the American Revolution, I think, fit these criteria. First of all, the American Revolution took place in a colony. So it wasn't a breakaway from the nation itself. It was a separate territory with separate, uh, at least to an extent, gubernatorial structures, which broke away from a colonial uh, uh, authority. Uh, they were underrepresented, blah, blah, blah. You know, monarchies aren't exactly democracies. Right. But these days, right now, okay, uh, you know, things are a little bit different. I do support, for example, like uh, Kurdistan, you know? What if Navajo land wanted to leave? I would not want that because it would be ruinous for them. A secessionist movement from the, um, the, the native tribes in America, they would, um, it would go very poorly. I don't have a moral qualm against the idea. I have a logistical qualm against the idea. But let's focus on the fundamental issue here, okay? In the Donbass region uh, in, in Ukraine, okay, we don't have a way of ascertaining any kind of authentic knowledge of whether or not that area wants secession. And the reason for that is because that area has been subjected to a massive campaign of military and propagandistic intervention from Russia. Additionally, what they're fighting for in the Donbass region, it's not like the people of the Donbass region are fighting for it. 
it's Russian separatists funded and backed by the Russian government are fighting for it. And those are two really, really different things, massively different things. Now, it may well be the case that people in that region do genuinely want to be independent. In fact, the Minsk II agreements laid out provisions for them to be a more autonomous zone with some degree of autonomy. The issue is, at this point now, independence can't happen. Because let's be real, guys. Russia doesn't want them to be an independent like set of nation states. They want them to be part of Russia. Russia is not doing all of this so that you know the Donbass and Luhansk areas can be independent. They're doing it so they can be part of Russia. That's the whole point. So independence here isn't even on the table. It's a secessionist movement to another existing nation state that's being funded by that existing nation state. What we're talking about here fundamentally is a kind of soft invasion. That's the problem. There's no authenticity to any of this. In a different world, one in which things had played out differently, where the Luhansk and Donbass, you know, the, the, the Donbass region um, had, without interference directly from Russia, authentically and independently made a legitimate case for their oppression and for their right to independence, I would support them. Sincerely, I would. Even if there was a possibility for negative outcomes, I think they would have a strong case for their argument. The Crimean region was an area where they could have made that argument. The Crimean region was very ethnically, culturally, and politically Russian uh, when it was made part of Ukraine. It's not surprising that it got brought over to Russia. It's just that, you know, Russia invaded it rather than looking for any kind of diplomatic negotiation, which is unfortunate. The anyway, the point that I'm getting at here is that I think there is a categorical difference between stuff that we see with Rojava, Kurdistan, Scotland, where it's the people in this area legitimately are trying to better their own lives by escaping some broader gubernatorial uh, jurisdiction, and what's happening in the uh, Donbass region, which is being directly manufactured by the Russian government. In this, in, essentially, Russia has poisoned the well. It will never be possible to understand how people's sentiments may have fallen if they had not interfered. Does that make sense? Now, the nuances of what I would support and what I don't involve a lot of factors. This is complicated stuff, and there are bad attempts at secessionist movements, and there are good ones, you know? Hong Kong didn't want to secede. They wanted to maintain a separate governmental system, which China reneged on. They had a they had a, a, a treaty, you know, and, and China broke it. They they, you know, tried to integrate, and they are integrating. So that wasn't so much secessionist as it was trying to maintain the grounds of an existing legal agreement. But it's, it's always going to vary significantly. Always going to vary significantly. All right, anyway, let's continue. The sanctions that they could against Russia, things that have been threatened at this point, they're just focused on sanctioning these particular regions. Some of our allies are going a bit further. But you can see that at this point, they're saying, okay, well, if you stop here, there's going to be this level of consequence. Yes. But if you go through with the full Ukrainian invasion scenario that U.S. intelligence is claiming has been planned, that's going to be a whole different ballgame. So that's where we are at this point. I do think, you know, Biden has been very clear, and I think this is important um, because we know the way that, you know, leaks from the deep state can help to pressure commanders in chief. We've seen it across multiple administrations, every single president subjected to this. He's been very clear from the beginning that he will not, under any circumstances, send U.S. troops and have boots on the ground in Ukraine. But <laughs> oh, no. what they are more likely to do is to ramp up what we've already been doing in Ukraine, which is flooding it with, you know, our own weaponry. Yeah, we sent them a lot of leaders. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. I think that's based.
blades. Tra- something that Putin brought up as right. an agitating factor for him uh, in his lengthy, you know, diatribe here. So we will continue to flood them with weapons, likely. And what has been floated uh, and reported in the press is the sort of stance that we took in Afghanistan when the Soviets were there, where we're training and arming both, uh, you know, publicly, but also covertly through the CIA, the Mujahideen and the insurgency in Afghanistan, very likely we'd be using, you know, our NATO allies in the area as training bases for an insurgency that would be then going back to Ukraine. So So the critical difference here is the fact that the Mujahideen were were basically a, um, I mean, it was an insurgent group. The Ukra- like Afghanistan was a let's be clear, not particularly well-developed country when Russia invaded them to begin with. Um, Ukraine is a modern nation state, you know? Like, this doesn't have to be, there don't need to be some, like, backdoor, like, secret NATO bases to give arms, you know, whatever. With Ukraine, these are straightforward dealings between allied nations. Um, I think that that legitimacy makes a significant difference because, you know, obviously the Mujahideen went as it's known, um, Joker mode, uh, you know, eventually. And our foreign policy came back to bite us. So that wasn't great for us. But I don't really think that you can make a comparable argument for what's happening with Ukraine. I don't think, like, if we fund Ukraine and give them weapons and they beat off Russia, I don't think that Ukraine will then, like, 9-11 us. You know, like, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think the, I, I don't, I don't think it's comparable. You know, it's a legitimized nation state. And for what it's worth, by the way, they have problems with corruption, but modern Ukraine has done some pretty cool stuff. I've been reading up on it, you know, because I kind of wanted to get a barometer on how corrupt Russia is compared to Ukraine, and it's really not even close. Ukraine was very corrupt a while ago, but they've made some pretty significant, you know, strides towards uh, uh, transparency and democracy in the meantime. And I think, you know, I think that's worthy of recognition. They've very clearly made an effort to, to modernize their country in, in a, in a political sense. That's not to say it's, it's not a problem they still struggle with, but you know. Unlikely that even in the worst case scenario, we end up with our own boots on the ground. That doesn't mean that we wouldn't be involved in sort of propping up what's going on there. Oh, absolutely. And I, I want to say, I see a clamoring here in Washington in order to bring the full suite. Hold on. Somebody in chat said, how are civil rights in Ukraine? Human rights in Ukraine, under which civil fits, are a contested topic and is labeled partly free by organizations such as the Freedom House. According to the OSCE, Human Rights Watch, uh, both sides violated the law of war, ongoing war in Donbass. The government imposed excessive restrictions on freedom of media and sexual diversity. It was not fully respected, so on. Uh, yeah, we can, we can take a brief look through. They're not going to be more progressive than us, so... Don't go look. Don't go. Don't go looking for some like Spain situation here. Right to a fair trial. Some some degree of uh, non in, or, or of dependence in their um, judicial system. Media freedom. I'm looking for modern stuff. Here we go. Uh, 300 violent attacks in the media. Shut down several television stations operating on Russia. Oh, they're trying to shut down like Russian shit. Oh shit! That bitch had a titty out down there. Wait, hold on. Wikipedia. Some of us are live streaming over here. Wait, go back. The whole point is that I'm not going back. Up there. Uh, violence against women. I don't even see an LGBTQ section. Your cam covered it up. Oh, okay. Well, you know. Anyway, the country has a lot of work to do, but I think they've come a long way from where they were.
suite of sanctions that were reserved for a full military invasion of Ukraine. And I couldn't agree more with the current policy, which yes. is, let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen from Jen Psaki saying that they will be putting sanctions both particularly on these breakaway republics. Now, let's be honest, there's not a lot of business. Not doing a lot of trade with Donetsk. Yeah, not much business between Donetsk and Washington. Uh, that being said, here's the point, which is, it doesn't take a genius to know that these areas have been in civil war for eight years and have been under de facto military occupation by the... Okay, sorry. Last thing I will show. In a 2010 European study, 28%, only 28% of Ukrainians polled believe that LGBT individuals should live freely and however they like. A 2017 poll found 56%, an actual doubling in seven years, of Ukrainians believe gay and bisexual individuals should enjoy equal rights. It's not exactly the same methodology or question, but I still think that indicates a pretty significant leap. Um, attitudes are becoming more accepting in line with worldwide trends. In 2015, the Ukrainian parliament approved an employment anti-discrimination law covering sexual orientation and gender identity. In 2015, and in 2016, Ukrainian officials simplified the transition process for transgender people and began allowing gay and bisexual men to donate blood. Wow! Even in America, we don't have that at the moment. Cool. Oh, wait, do we have it now? We, ha we didn't have it for a while, at least. Great. All of this happened after we ousted the pro-Russian puppet president, by the way. By we, I mean the CIA. Cut the stream, Pepe. Yeah. Uh, look, progress has been made. The Russians already. So under that circumstance, there is a substantive difference. Okay, sorry. Wait, Vosh, did the CIA actually have something to do with that? Okay, it's probably reasonable to assume the CIA has something to do with everything that happens everywhere. However, the CIA, to all the best of our available knowledge, did not uh, cause the ousting of the 2014 Ukrainian president. Uh, it seems like it was something which happened organically as a product of the population of Ukraine's genuine distaste for him between crossing the Ukrainian front line and basically taking over new territory rather than old territory. That is what the escalation ladder is supposed to look like, yes. which is that punishments are supposed to fit the general circumstances. Unfortunately, the neocon brigade here in Washington is clamoring for the full suite of sanctions specifically against this act. I'm not whitewashing it. I think Putin, frankly, sounded like a crazy person. His biggest problem, Crystal, is that he actually would have had more legitimacy in the eyes of the world if he had simply just said, look, they didn't give me what I wanted. Ukrainian, they said Ukraine, they would refuse to tell me Ukraine would not be a part of NATO, and thus I am taking this action for the defense of Russia. A lot of people across the world and many different places, including inside of Europe, Eastern Europe, in China, other words, they could support that. But now- I actually think there's a point to what he's saying here. Um, because the big line that Russians use, that, that the, 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 the biggest argument that they've engaged in is that uh, Russian incursion into Ukraine is a legitimate act of defense because Ukraine won't refuse to join NATO. Now, this is a bad argument. I disagree with it fully, but that's like the main argument they've used. And it, it does weaken Russia's position a little bit for Putin to have this hour-long rambling speech where he gives like 78,000 other reasons why actually Ukraine should be his. You know what I mean? Like, you can disagree fully with the NATO line, but if they had just used that line, stuck with it, done what they were going to do, did the invasion, at the very least it would have, you know, it would have contributed to the idea that that was the authentic reason they were engaging in that behavior, whereas throwing out a billion possible reasons why and doing this false flag bullshit for a week long in Donbass, you know, kind of contributes to the impression that he's just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, which is true. That is what they're doing.
Well, you have basically said, unless you are full bore on board with this, like, absolutely rewritten Russian revanchist right. history. Restoration. Right, of restoration the of the full Soviet Russian Republic. empire. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like some Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, you know, and all this other stuff. Then, then you're not on his side. And so he basically, and this is always a problem with authoritarians, they, they really just can't help telling you exactly what they believe because they're so arrogant and they just don't have any checks. You saw yesterday in that Russian yeah. Security Council meeting that uh, one of the one of the officials slipped up and he's like, Putin was like, what should we do, Mr. Minister? And it's all televised. It's some sort of weird Soviet show. Pretty and the guy, yes, and he's like, well, we should annex them. And Putin's like, that's not on the table. We're talking about recognizing independent republics, not annexing <laughs> <laughs> And he gets all sweaty. <laughs> I'm sure he knows he's going to be- going to get beaten a little bit longer. I want to, yeah. on that point yeah. about the Biden administration's yes. um, relative restraint as compared to what, you know, I saw Newt Gingrich out there saying, oh, it's Chamberlain all yeah. over the Putin is yeah. Hitler comparisons. Please, please all this people stuff. go watch my Chamberlain monologue. Just please like, do. Yeah. Definitely do that. And, yeah. and here's what the Biden administration is officially saying. This is from a senior Biden, Biden admin official. More sanctions coming tomorrow, but won't say if Russian peacekeeper, quote unquote, moves into Donbass count as an invasion that will trigger the massive sanctions promised and notes Good. that Russia has long had a military presence in that area. Exactly right. So yeah. they are preserving their ability to hold back the biggest sanctions. And also, I mean, that creates some, one of the things Putin said in this speech is, hey, I think they're going to sanction, sanction us regardless. Mm -hmm. So this is the Biden administration trying to signal, no, actually, there is a chain of escalation here. Our response will depend on your actions. I'm being... I'm being torn up inside, dude. I'm I'm being f annihilated. They are legitimately engaging with this issue with a level of nuance that I am not seeing from any other online leftist. I don't agree with everything that they're saying, but they're actually engaging with reality and actually responding to it. This is fucking devastating for me. I need to like, I I, I can't deal with this, man. I can't. Chill on head. If you fucking start with me, I swear to God, I'm in the goddamn twilight zone. I know, prisoner. Oh God, I can't. I can't do this. This is too much, man. This is too much. Guys, how are we supposed to win any political battles when this is the shit we're dealing with? We are, the online left is so dysfunctional that people who talk like Caleb Maupin are capable of commanding a significant amount of like political attention and drive a ton of like political discourse. I, 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 I don't, I don't understand. Can't do shit in this political climate. I don't get it, man. God, like we will never, the, the, the Russian government is opposed to the spread of leftist values worldwide. They support far-right movements the world around. They do not support far-left movements. Or when they do support far-left movements, they're the kind of far-left where they're, you know, uh, uh, force-the-vote type Jimmy Dore whatevers. Not real, actual left-leaning advocacy. There are so many Russian apologists in the far-left. So much of it is aesthetic. I don't get why they missed what happened in the 90s. It's just that they don't like America. It's just, it's team sports to them. They don't have any real principles. Hassan just said the only reason the USA is defending Ukraine is to stop the Nord, the Nord Stream pipeline. Okay. Wait, what? Wait, they canceled construction on it because of Russian aggression. What is America supplying arms to you? Okay, whatever. Whatever the f***ing pachinko machine in his head that's leading him to say the words that he's saying does next. I don't care. Please, spare me. No, sorry, certification, yeah. 
whether or not they believe it or whether they intend to, you know, go further and, you know, the full invasion scenario that's been painted by the U.S. intelligence community, we have no idea. We simply have no clue. And we should also say this. I am very happy to see Europe actually stepping up in this and taking yeah. a stronger hand because it is their problem. There ain't going to be no Iron Curtain over here. Let's put this up there on the screen. Immediately after the Putin speech, top EU leaders announced that there would be EU sanctions against those involved in the, quote, illegal Russian recognition of the Ukrainian breakaway provinces. But the most significant news actually came this morning, Crystal, when the German chancellor announced that there will be a cancellation of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And what I mean by that is that the certification process, which was underway, they went ahead and said that that will have to be delayed. You were telling me this morning that that is now going to be kicked over to a member of the Green Party, which, you know, you can go ahead and guess yeah, how exactly so that's going to go. Previously, the pipeline yeah. had been sort of like okayed from an environmental right. perspective by the previous administration under Angela Merkel. Yeah. Merkel. Now the person who's in charge of that process comes from the environmentalist Green Party. And so it's not just only that, hey, we're taking a pause while you're doing what you're doing. We're actually throwing the inspection back to, you know, this person who's in charge of assessing the environmental impact, who happens now to have more of an environmentalist stance. So puts the pipeline in jeopardy. And, and this is definitely the most sort of bite oh, that we've seen huge. from any of the actions so far. No question. So just to give you guys an idea, the Nord Stream 2 has been one of those things that gets talked a lot about. It was a $10 billion pipeline between Germany and Russia. Now, Germany has taken, in my view, very foolish decisions, has decommissioned a lot of their nuclear power plants and has actually gone even relying even more on natural gas they have yeah i still don't know why they did that by the way have resisted many times over the years any call whatsoever to include Nord Stream 2 in any sort of sanctions package. Now, the reason that that matters, and actually as early as just yesterday, Mario Draghi had gone ahead and said that there will be sanctions against Russia, but not whenever it pertains to energy. Mm. Germany being the biggest powerhouse within the European Union had made it known it does not want to risk any sort of energy problems, given that already European gas prices and natural gas is sky high. But what happened yesterday with the Putin speech kicked them really into action, and they said, fine, you know, what we're gonna have to go ahead and make sure that this pipeline doesn't happen i cannot underscore this enough that is an immense blow to the domestic russian economy and that's really where some i can't i can't believe it dude oh my god I, guys i've said this before i've said this before okay I, you know how ben shapiro says really stupid shit all the time you should be embarrassed when you see that because that's the person who managed to like deck lefties in terms of like algorithmic growth and and popularity in the online space on Facebook and on YouTube, that's what I mean. Like if these like it are are we we're adults, okay? We're all grown up. We're all big boys. Our failures are reflections of ourselves, okay? And what the 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 forces we lose to say as much about us as it does about them. Like I I genuinely feel like any online lefty, you could just put them in a room with Sagar and talk to them on this issue, and Sagar would fucking ruin them. Like. I, I, I can't I can't abide that I can't I can't abide an online left that will lose arguments like that what uh, what can I do I have as big of an audience as I can get I'm trying as hard as I can to have a big audience but I feel like I feel like I'm fighting against the f propaganda apparatus of the Russian government which as it turns out is slightly broader than one YouTube channel like I have no uh God so frustrating dude holy shit God Bosh the main character of the video game oh don't be don't be an ass. Uh, we all, we all try to do what we can, right? I have a bit more of a platform than most people. But, like, it feels like there are only... It feels like, like, there aren't, like, there aren't that many big lefties who are taking this line. You know? 
like I'm one. I'm sure Dylan Burns has had good takes on this. I know there are others. I don't I don't disagree with that, but in terms of the ability to like move people's opinions around, it's only so much ridiculous. Ridiculous. And they'd all lose. They'd lose to, to Sagar. Some of this is being and kind of coming from not to psychoanalyze Putin. He's been, what, on the throne, so to speak, as he lo probably likes to see it, since, you know, 1999. He's 67 years old. His life dream has been to restore the glory of the former Soviet empire. Uh, he seems to believe that he can be able to act this way across Europe and still maintain what fundamentally he knows is a weak and a dying country. I mean, you have demographic decline dramatically over the last 25 years, Thank you, economic Dylan. contraction, full-blown oligarchy, you know, that has uh, taken across the entire Russian economy. And at the end of the day, the only valuable thing that Russia has is oil and gas. Now, Already obviously, did, oil, it's Spades. the third largest oil producer in the world. I'm not going to lie. But they don't have very productive sectors of their economy. And the thing about oil is, is you got to sell it to somebody else. Yeah, you can use some of it. But with the global markets at the way that they are, he has put himself in a very vulnerable situation. And what reminds me of this. Is Wait, memes aside, are, isn't Russia one of the countries you could legitimately make an argument for demographic decline for aren't isn't like nobody fucking in russia like I, I i think if i recall correctly they're like the their their internal numbers have, have like fucking plummeted since the fall of the soviet union i actually i actually remember an article eastern europe in general yeah the post-soviet states i actually remember an article that i read when i was in high school where there was it was like a summer camp i think it was like 16 year olds or whatever but it was like a summer camp that in sponsored by the state in russia where it was basically like a f camp for the kids that would go there or whatever. It was like, hey, all, a lot of boys, a lot of girls, he here's a bunch of tents, whatever. Literally, the whole point was to get people to have kids like really, really young to try to jumpstart their population numbers back up. Does anyone else remember this being a thing? I don't want to Google it. Oh, wait, here we go. This is from Daily Mail. I don't think I saw it originally from the Daily Mail. Wait, um, wait, hold on. The head, wait. The headline here says Sex Motherland Russia Youths Encouraged Procreate Camp, which is definitely what I'm referring to, but the actual content of this is uh, not present. Oh, their, their population growth rate. Oof. Yeah, this is... Yeah. So if there was ever a country for which an argument for demographic decline could be made... Yeah, this was in 2007. Nashi's annual camp 200 miles outside Moscow is attended by 10,000 uniformed youngsters. Attendance is monitored via compulsory electronic badges, and anyone who misses three events is expelled. So is alcohol, but sex is encouraged and condom is nowhere on sale. Young women are encouraged to hang out and thong. Yeah, this is incredibly f***ing weird. It's basically like a mix of like a propaganda camp and like a, like a breeding camp. Strong. This is worse than I remember it being. Nazis did the same thing in Germany? Yes, they did. Yeah, this is weird. They, uh, they shouldn't do this. This was under Putin. 2007, he was in power. Bunch of people marry. Yeah, sorry. State-mandated breeding grounds. Okay, alright, sorry. We got distracted there. I just can't believe this is a real thing. Jesus. When you're not a fascist government <laughs> at the youth camp, where you teach loyalty to the state and also have them breed. Oh boy. It's literally called the Nashi Youth Movement. Are they making fun of me from, from, from beyond the purview of time and space? Are they, are they peeking through the void to mock me? Oh, dude, it's not... It's, 
It is, it's nothing like the Hitler youth camps. It's the Nazi youth. <laughs> oh my god. Criticism. I hope so. Christ. Okay. That the idea is that authoritarians are, and states are actually most dangerous on their decline rather than on their way up. Mm, because you think about this, Ukraine is a country of 44 million people. They actually are fairly dynamic economy-ish. I mean, it's, yes, it's very corrupt and all that, but they have a, a you know a large youth a population, a, more of a connection with the West. They're educated. It actually would be a coup in order to add those 40-something million people to the Russian you know nation and the Russian Federation, I guess. And so the way he looks at it it's a way in order to relash out use the nuclear power obviously with his ambitions at the end of his life and try and restore some dignity and i'm not saying it as if i agree but in his own eyes mm -hmm. as to what is happening so that's kind of my read on the situation but i think this is awoken what was the phrase that yamamoto said it was like awoken a sleeping tiger or something when after pearl harbor i think europeans are really gonna have to wake up they have skated under the u.s nuclear umbrella for a long time their german defense spending and all that has been like 1.6 percent or whatever of gdp we're entering a new era of geopolitics here with yeah. this Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That, I think, is yeah. really significant. I mean, it does feel like we're at this kind of pivot point in terms... I can't believe this. This is... This is agreeable. Uh, yeah. Legitimately, okay, I could be talking out my ass here, but as I understand it, the fact that the United States is basically the ringleader for Euro Western European military defense means that Europe has not been as self-regulating, which has led to a ton of problems that might have been better addressed if Europe took uh, took account of its own problems more seriously without like broader U.S. direction. The United States has a ton of control over NATO, obviously, because we're the United States and we and we're the U.S. and we're the United States and we're also we're America and we're the United States and the U.S. also in America. And for that reason, like America doesn't America is not as committed to you know European stability as Europe is. Europe kind of relies on us, but maybe it would be better if they were a little bit more autonomous. Maybe the delegation to the foreign, like to the, the, the superpower across the Atlantic isn't the best. I don't know. In terms of, you know, Europeans and yeah. in terms of the sort of global order, um, just to underscore what you're saying about Germany and their reliance on Russian natural gas. These are the numbers. This is from the New York Times. So natural, natural gas Increasingly critical source of energy for Germany, last year accounted for nearly 27% of all energy consumed, and two-thirds of that natural gas came from Russia. Yeah. So wow. this hurts the Russians. It's also going to oh, definitely— The German economy is about to tank. There's no question. It's going to yeah. hike energy prices definitely in Germany and across all of Europe that were already, like us, facing elevated energy prices. So that's why this move is so significant, because they know— that it is going to impact their own, you know, the, the pocketbooks of their own consumers there. Maybe you shouldn't have turned off those nuclear power plants, you stupid f***ing idiot piece of shit. Literally the safest form of energy generation that we have that isn't green energy. Between coal, natural gas, oil, and nuclear, nuclear is massively safer, overwhelmingly. And the only time we've ever had nuclear meltdowns are after, like, poor safety standards, okay? I trust the Germans to maintain their plants. ...in Germany, so that's really significant. The other thing that I want to say about Putin's speech, you made the point that it was sort of foolish that he, you know, just had to tell you everything yes. he thinks about it instead of focusing on the issue at hand yeah. and what 
even people like Bernie Sanders have to admit are some legitimate grievances about NATO expansion. Yeah, I mean, you've heard and, it all on you know, the show. Understandable yeah. concerns about those sorts of things. But because he has to lay out the full breadth of you know Soviet history and all of this, <laughs> it expands the concerns beyond Ukraine. Uh -huh. So that other areas that were part of the Soviet Union, then you have to go, oh, so maybe this isn't just about Ukraine and their potential membership to NATO. This feels more like you are, have those revanchist ambitions yes. that go beyond anything that the West could do at this point to satisfy you. And so um, that's why the speech also was both foolish and I think dangerous because at the end of the day, what are we talking about here? You know, I think you and I, certainly yeah. you, also I have grown up in a time when this sort of day-to-day -day concern of a nuclear conflict with Russia was not really tangible yeah, or real. And now I can't handle this, man. This came right after Lauren Southern quote tweeted me agreeing with me and Tim Pool agreeing with me when I opposed the Canadian Emergencies Act passages. I can't, man. First it was the Canadian liberals and now it's the goddamn lefties. I can't. I, I listen. OK, I, I will. I, I cannot. I do not want to become the, the, the lefty guy. Who the far right idiots run up to and go like, see, look, we maybe we get along where you think just because the rest of the left decided to take like an objectively wrong position. Even though Russia, yes, fault. is the economy is moribund. Yes, the demographic decline. Yes, they're sort of reaching for this lost greatness, but they are still a yeah, nuclear power. And so conflict with, you know, a nuclear power spells potential doom and devastation and is extraordinarily dangerous, which is why we've said from the beginning, with regard to the specific concern about NATO, just freaking give them what they yeah, want, I know. you know, because and then what they are you look, holding on to? Like, he looks crazier whenever he says these yes, things. Yes, yeah. even the Ukrainian. And then you would. Okay, finally, we're getting to the bad takes. Thank God. Really see. Okay, yeah. is this Thank really God. about just this, you know, one country <sighs> potentially maybe in like <sighs> down the road a decade joining NATO? Or is it about this larger revanchist program? And so the real irony here is that no one even really wants Ukraine and NATO at this I know. point. This is all over that's the principle true. of, in theory, Ukraine becoming part of NATO. And that's that was part of Zelensky's frustration that we played on the show yesterday. He's like, they're not stupid. They can see that there are a lot of NATO states who don't yes, want Yes, Ukraine wants to be part of NATO. I think they meant NATO constituencies, but yes, yes, NATO, yes, Ukraine wants to be part of NATO. ...them in. And so he was saying, listen, just tell us that. Like, be honest about it, because that might help to de-escalate the situation. It's just so silly to get so caught up on this principle of theoretically we could let Ukraine in, even as no one actually... I think that saying... I think that establishing a precedent where Russia can essentially threaten invasion unless another defensive organization says that they will never allow a country that they want to invade to join their defensive organization. Uh, I, I think that sets a really, really, really bad precedent. Um, if Russia actually wanted to do this, the negotiations they should have had would have been with Ukraine. If they actually did, uh, if Russia wanted to, uh, they could have um, uh, 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 established strong diplomatic ties with Ukraine and had a treaty with them and said, hey, don't ever join NATO as a product of this. And in response, here's a bunch of stuff we're willing to give up. But they didn't do that. They immediately betrayed the Minsk II agreement in the Donbass region. So, yeah, 
The, the, the problem is there was a right way to do that, but they didn't want to do it because Russia never had any intention of abiding by any agreement there, you know? Because Russia doesn't actually care about Ukraine being close to their border. Or sorry, Russia doesn't want... Ukraine not being a part of NATO is not a victory for Russia if it doesn't mean Russia cannot subsequently invade Ukraine. That is the reason why they don't want NATO in Ukraine because they want Ukraine to be part of, like a puppet state or just part of Russia. Actually intends to let Ukraine into NATO. I couldn't agree more. And and like I, he, I, I'm relatively certain after that speech that all of this would have happened regardless, but that would have given us a lot more credibility in the eyes of the world. We're like, look, we gave it to them. I feel like we have, I feel like we have all the credibility in the world right now. Um, the only people who don't agree are people who are like directly subs like, subservient to Russian geopolitical hegemony. Them. And then they still did it. So if what they really mean is that they want the Baltics back in the empire, sorry, Baltics are in NATO now. Like there's a tripwire and that's just how it is. And they don't seem to like, and if that's really your beef, then say so. Well, and then <laughs> we have more clarity, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. Then you know what you're dealing right. with. Whereas now he can still have this fig leaf of cover about, oh, this is just about right. NATO's potential expansion. And don't think that the Chinese are not going to be backing him up on this because they look at, they're watching very, very closely as to how this call all relate in East Asia. My great fear is that this has a conflagration and that we have some grain, you know, great European war and that it will tank the entire global economy. I mean, already we're seeing problems in the uh, U.S. market. Obviously, I have concern for the Ukrainians. So I'm, not, I'm not saying this is the biggest problem, but I'm saying in the way that it pertains most to us is that we're going to... does Sagar sound more empathetic to the Ukrainian people than fucking lefties, man? to see huge spikes in oil. War is very bad for business, you know, except for a few. Uh, and uh, in our case in particular, energy and gas prices are already throwing domestic politics into turmoil. This could make the situation 10 times worse. We do a ton of trade with Germany and with all these other uh, countries which are about to be majorly effective. A great European crisis, as we have found out in 1914, you know, as we found out in 1940, uh, will have an impact whether you like it or not here at home. So unfortunately, there's a lot of, you know, blame to go around i think in this case putin obviously is <laughs> really the uh, aggressor here. i mean this could be a tucker carlson type situation i like pretend to give me a shit oh i don't give a f what Sagar actually thinks i care what he says he's a public figure the contents of his skull are irrelevant to me what he says and does matters yeah I, uh, there's no there's, there's no, no way, way watching that yeah his speech in a way too he just validated his worst critics um which like i said if he was smart he would have said look we didn't get me what i wanted thus i'm taking these actions he had to put it all out there and uh look in a way it's good so now you know exactly who we're dealing with hey guys thanks so much for watching that's right just as a reminder just devastating dude just oh just devastating oh my god I just just terrible just terrible yeah meanwhile in the online left Oh God, Benjamin Norton, hello. U.S. and European leaders are fueling the Ukrainian crisis to justify the economic attacks, sabotaging Germany's Nord Stream 2 pipeline. U.S. has been desperate to stop Germany's Nord Stream 2 pipeline with Russia. EU chief Ursula says everything is on the table for sanctions, including Russia's state-owned gas giant Gazprom, the largest company in the world. Oh, in the country, not in the world, Jesus. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi boasts the U.S. and NATO allies are preparing sanctions that will be painful. So why is the U.S. so aggressively fueling conflict? Fueling conflict? How? Isn't threatening sanctions if Russia invades the opposite of fueling conflict? That's the opposite. That's providing a deterrent to avoid conflict.
you're actively disincentivizing the conflict. That's the it's the literal opposite of fueling conflict. One of the main reasons the U.S. pushed so aggressively to create the Ukraine crisis. I love this dude again. Like this is what I mean by no empathy. Like they don't think of the like Ukrainian people, the tens of millions of them, as independent, like real people with like real opinions or anything. They're just slaves to the U.S. like political um, block. Except in this case, the U.S. didn't do shit. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. Your daily reminder that the conflict in Russia-Ukraine is not actually a conflict between Russia and Ukraine. It's a conflict between the U.S. militaries here versus the rest of the world. See? This is exactly what I mean. This right here, this right here, is American exceptionalism. Let's call it what it is, folks. This is American exceptionalism. If you are incapable of framing any geopolitical conflicts through a dynamic other than big bad America do bad thing to rest of world, then you're an American exceptionalist. You're just taking the opposite end of the American exceptionalist. It's like how a person can still be narcissistic even if all they do is criticize themselves. Like, you can still be a narcissist even if the attention you direct towards yourself is negative, and you can still be an American exceptionalist. Control F Ben Norton. Paid Russian shows literally. Hold on. Oh yeah, this award. Wasn't this the award that was given to those... Was it the people who denied the genocide, or was it the people who did the genocide? Yes, the Laureate Serena Shim Award for Uncompromised Integrity in Journalism. And this is a list of everyone who said that um, Assad hasn't used chemical weapons against his own people. The Jimmy Dore Show is on here. Max Blumenthal is on here. Uh, Julian Assange. Well, at least he's actually a journalist, you know. Uh, Aaron Maté, of course. Uh, no way Glenn Greenwald's not on here, right? Glenn Greenwald has to be on here. Uh, my eyes are blurry. They're probably on here. Oh, here's Hibble. Kim Iverson, of course. Right, right. Just They're just Russian shills. The guy from Twitter is absolutely insane. Just read this. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. The Warhawk in the White House on Twitter are now saying Russia has invaded Ukraine, annexed Donetsk and Luhansk. Russia has recognized their independence. Recognition is not annexation or invasion. I remember when we recognized the independence of Iraq. Um, that was a good time. 